and you're listening to a sermon from Bent Tree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentTreeChurch.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Bent Tree Church. And uh, if I've not met you, my name is uh, Paul Trimble. I'm the senior pastor here. Uh, so it's good to be with my church family uh, today. And for friends of Bent Tree, visitors that are here, that uh, you might just be here for one week of visiting family or checking out the church, we're glad that you are here too. So let's get our Bibles out. We're going to be in John chapter 7 where our brother Dave read. As you're doing that, we have something that we're going to do in September I want you to take advantage of. We haven't done something like this since, well, almost for 13 years now. We're just a little over 13 years old. So here's what we're going to do. Every Bentrier is invited to an all-church family fun day at High Peaks Camp in Estes Park. It's actually on 7 going out of Estes. So this is for families, couples, singles, young, old. We're going to start our day off with a time of worship, followed by a very, very special message. Uh, We'll then have a special discipleship breakout sessions uh, for different people in attendance there. Lunch will be provided as well as fun and engaging activities, including an optional ropes course, which I will not be taking advantage of. So uh, it's for all ages though, this thing. And if you don't have children, we still want you to come. We want to be together as a church family that day. Um, We'll share more of the schedule as we get a little bit closer to it. You can be watching and sign up for that on btc.churchcenter.com. Get registered to that. It costs $10 per person, but no more than $40 for an entire family. Now listen, if you are struggling with get paying for that and you want to go, let me know. Uh, and we'll hook you up there. We want to make sure everyone is is okay to come. So... Well, uh, we have a saying here that uh, if you're new here, that won't make sense at first, but let me just demonstrate. Let's go deep to grow deep. And, and we want to dive into God's word to grow our re- roots deep into God. So let's remember the setting that we're at where we left off. Jesus uh, is about to come to Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem at this time was usually about 140,000 people But it was now more than a million at this time of the three great feasts. So three during the year. And this was the largest of the feasts. The Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. Uh, It's a week-long celebration. This is the biggest one. So the city, man, it is packed. Not a square inch free. At this feast was the most popular of that year. So let's remember the last time Jesus and his disciples had been in the city of Jerusalem. Jewish leaders were openly plotting how to kill him. They had cleared out the, he had cleared out the temple. If you remember back in chapter two, Jesus and his disciples had been baptizing people for repentance and Jesus had healed the lame man on a Sabbath day. And in his, uh, we saw that in chapter five. And when the Jewish leaders had confronted Jesus about breaking their traditions by healing the man, Jesus didn't even slightly pull back from his message. Jesus begins to tell them in no uncertain terms that he is the son of God. He claims divinity. And this enrages the the religious leaders, and they want to have Jesus killed. So they were worried about these mass crowds that 
were starting to follow Jesus and they, they knew that this could be an armed rebellion very quickly. It could get out of hand. Although the Jewish leaders hated the Roman occupying force that ruled them, the Jewish leaders wanted to maintain peace because the possibility for war and political unrest would cost them, well, money. And that's at the end of the day, power. Uh, position. They perceived that Jesus was becoming too popular, that he could take away their power as spiritual leaders. So now that that clearly wasn't Jesus's goal, was it? He has been preaching a message of repentance, of holiness. He's been healing the sick and Jesus and his disciples been ministering for more than a year now in the north of the country in Galilee. And the Jewish leaders didn't have much political power up there because it was run by Herod Antipas. So the Jewish leaders weren't, were anxiously awaiting Jesus to return to Jerusalem so they could better orchestrate Jesus's death. You with me? That's the setting. All the people are waiting for Jesus along with the leaders. But Jesus is a no-show in the first half of the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus is going to arrive halfway through, late to the game. Even, uh, he even travels secretly through Samaria. So people just didn't know if he was coming. Jewish peoples didn't travel through Samaria because they hated Samarians. And so he's undercover uh, on his way. As the people are waiting for Jesus, there's this kind of buzz in the air. Will there be a showdown between Jesus and the Jewish leaders? And while they're waiting, the people begin to mutter. They begin to argue among themselves. That's where we're going to look at today. Now, this is one of those times I was talking about earlier when we say go deep to grow deep. If you read this passage too quickly, it's very easy just to simply skim across the top of it and not get the importance. But if you're careful, you can uncover some truth. So lean in today and uncover some of that truth with me. Let's look at verse 10 through 12. Here it is. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, and then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking... For him at the feast and saying, where is he? That is the Jewish leaders there. And there was much muttering about him among the people. That's the second group. You see it? While some said, he is a good man. Others said, no, he's leading the people astray. Now Jesus is famous at this point. It's late in the ministry. This is six months before his crucifixion. Many of these people had heard Jesus preach. Many had seen him perform miracles. Some had even experienced firsthand eating the bread and the fish. And even the people that hadn't seen Jesus or heard him preach, they had known someone that had heard. And so they were all watching for miracles and to hear him preach. As, as they're all waiting, all the two groups, the people and the Jewish leaders, They began asking, who is Jesus? The people do. Now, this is a relevant question throughout history because we can't even begin our journey in discipleship up that discipleship pathway before we answer the question, who is Jesus? It's a question everyone who comes across has to answer at some point. Some give this question a great deal of thought and prayer. And some people simply make a quick decision on who Jesus is. 
as I was preparing for today, I got online just to kind of watch some videos of man on the street kind of questions asking that, who is Jesus? And that was in different places like London, New York. It was even in the South and California. Honestly, it got me down because there was just such a variety of wrong answers and so few right answers. Now, and these answers, people said, Jesus He was a man, he was a historical figure, but that was it. Some said Jesus is just a myth, he's just a legend. A few said something like, well, he is the essence of the energy of the universe. And everybody was like, what? Some like uh, those in our passage today said, well, Jesus was a good man. He was like a good teacher, a, a good example for us. A few said he was a teacher, some said he was a prophet, some even claimed Jesus to be an evil man, a bad man. Some said that he was the son of God. Some said he was along with Muhammad, a reincarnation of Muhammad, uh, or one of the Christs uh, that has come. I've even heard some people say Jesus was a magician, like he was David Copperfield kind of thing. He just had the wool pulled over everyone's eyes. So there was a few Christians who answered correctly, and you're like, yay! And, and a few answered that Jesus was simply an unbalanced man and thought himself to be God, like he was mental. And one I thought was very strange simply answered, Jesus is whoever you want him to be. Now, this thought is so very common today. Jesus is whoever you believe him or want him to be. Here's what we need to understand. Let's take notes today. Write them in your Bible or on your phone. Here it is. When we don't actually read and know what the Bible, uh, know the Bible, it leads to believing in your truth instead of the truth. When you don't actually read and know the Bible, it leads to believing in your truth instead of the truth. It's like instead of looking at something and saying, what is that? <coughs> Excuse me, what is that? It's more like saying, let me hold up a mirror and look at it, look at myself and saying, who is that? You're just going to get a reflection of yourself. Believing in your own truth doesn't help you Because it's not the truth. It's a contradiction in logic to think that we can all have our own truth, isn't it? Truth is simply uh, doesn't work that way. So if Jesus is the truth, like he's claiming, how could people say such varied things about Jesus who very clearly tells us who he is? The answer to that question is really threefold. First, when we talk about the truth, we find it very discriminatory. Meaning truth only has one right answer. And therefore, untruth or lies can have in as many as you want, right? Second, very few people actually read the words of Jesus. Very few. They just have relied on what someone else has told them. Uh, They simply haven't been exposed to the gospel message of Jesus, who he claims to be, or they take one verse out of context, try to build everything on that. Third, like Peter declares to Jesus, you are the son of God. And Jesus told Peter, he says, buddy, buddy, you did not get that truth on your own. It was revealed to you by my father in heaven. In other words, people are spiritually dead 
unable to answer that question correctly until Jesus says they are born again. That's what he taught Nicodemus, right? Chapter 3. That our being born again takes a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of God for us to believe. So the question is, who is Jesus? That's the question. There can be an unlimited number of wrong answers, but there is only one right answer. Amen? You guys are asleep. Amen? Yeah, let's do this right. Let's preach today. So ask the question of yourself, who is Jesus? Well, it might help by saying what he's not. Let's talk about what he's not. Look at verse 12 again, what the people say. And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, he is a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Now, on the surface, it seems like people are saying he is a good man is a better option than he is a bad man leading people astray. And so we gravitate towards that uh, that he's a good man. But that's an impossibly wrong answer as well. Both of those answers are wrong. Now, what's interesting is when you ask that question of who Jesus is, although many people don't know or they don't like Christians, they don't like church in America, most people are willing to say something nice about Jesus, aren't they? Like Jesus, they all say he was a good man, he was a good teacher, he did good things, he loved people. But what I'm saying is that the answer, Jesus is a good man, impossible. Why is that? Because if you study the teachings of Jesus, Jesus is always talking about himself. In fact, here's something that sounds off when you first hear it, but it's true. Write this down. Theologian John Stott labeled Jesus' teaching egocentric in character, self-focused in character. Just write it down. Don't get mad yet. I'm going to explain it. (laughs) Jesus' teaching is egocentric in nature. In character. That's John Stott, great theologian. Because Jesus is always talking about himself, isn't he? And when he's not talking about himself directly, he's talking about God the Father and then the special relationship he has with God the Father that he only has. Now, you might be getting upset with me, and I get that, but hear me out. We're asking the question, uh, and we're answering that question, was Jesus a good man? And we're saying that that's impossibly wrong. We're looking at those answers. Jesus even called God the Father, Abba, which simply you can kind of translate that as daddy. Daddy. Well, no one else used that word in that time for God because it's thought blasphemous. But Jesus did. And think about this. Jesus keeps pointing out all through all four gospels that he, he is going to go th- to the cross because of what he would accomplish because the God, Father called him to. But not just that. We see Jesus' egocentric character in his teaching when he uses the term I am, talking about himself. Now, this is important. Write this down. God instructed Moses to tell the Israelites to refer to him as I am. So all Jews had thought that. Only, you know, that's God's name. Because God had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, that's my name, I am. So when Jesus in the last chapter said to the people, 
I am the bread of life. You remember chapter six, that little verse that, or that little chapter we studied for a couple of weeks? Or later when Jesus will say, I am the light of the world. Or when Jesus says, I am the gate. Or when he will finally say in chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, in no uncertain terms, claims that he is the Messiah and that he is, in fact, God himself. And it is only through him that men can be saved from their sin and be in right relationship with God and enter heaven. That's Jesus' claim. If you carefully examine Jesus' claims in the other gospels about Hebrew scriptures or what we refer to as the Old Testament, we see Jesus clearly says that those refer to him. Skip back to John 5 for just a moment. Jesus said to the Jewish leaders back then, he says, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. He wrote of me. Or how about this one in Luke 24, 27? And beginning with Moses and the, all the prophets, he, talking about Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, one of the best examples of Jesus claiming to be God came near the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He stood up in the local synagogue and read from the text that was before him. He read Luke 4.17 and says, And the scroll of the prophets Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it is written. Then he read this, Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. The Spirit, knows the capital, The Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me because the Lord, that is Yahweh, has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to uh, comfort all who mourn. Now, After Jesus read that, he closed up the scroll and applied this Old Testament prophecy to himself and said, look at this, Luke 4.21, here it is. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Do you you get what Jesus is claiming? That, That 750 years before he read the scroll in that synagogue, Jesus was claiming the prophet Isaiah had prophesied about him that he was about to begin his, his, uh, his prophecy there, what it was prophesied about him. If Jesus thought that's who he was, it's no wonder people, uh, began to follow him and he really commanded them, follow me. And later he would send them out to, into all the world to declare the message that Jesus clearly believed in himself to be God. To come to seek and save the lost. So when we hear Jesus was a good man, that can't be true. We see that it's also impossible that Jesus is just a good man in the claim that Jesus made to forgive sins. Think about this. Not just to forgive sins against him, but to forgive all sins done against all people. 
and against God. Now listen to this exchange when Jesus is about to heal a lame man let down from the roof. You remember that story let down into the roof because it's so crowded. And, and he says this, Mark 2, 5 And when Jesus saw their faith, the guy's letting the lame man down, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they and thus questioned him within themselves said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, Pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Now think about this with me. When Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, that is so crazy, it sounds like he's making a joke at first. That is, unless you're actually God and can forgive sins. I mean, you can forgive someone if they sin against you, right? You have that ability, sin against you. Let's say a person comes and bonks you on the top of the head. So you have those little Tweety Birds going around, you know, like, and that kind of thing. You see stars. You have the right to forgive that person if you want to. But if He doesn't ask for your forgiveness. You could still forgive him. It's up to you for the sin against you. So if he steals from you, you could just take that loss and forgive him as well. But let's change the story. What if the person is going around bonking people on the head all over so that they fall over? Or this guy stealing from everybody in town, maybe even thousands of them. Do you as an individual have the right to forgive that person on behalf of all those people? The answer is no. Why? Because he sinned against everybody that hit or stole property from them. And, and to forgive someone who did all that would bring, uh, would be wrong of you. And yet that's what Jesus was doing. It would be wrong of anyone to forgive someone else who had hurt so many people. They wouldn't have the right to forgive that guy on behalf of everyone that he hurt unless you were God. Because let's make something very plain. All sin, all sin, all sin. How many sins? All sins are ultimately against God. There was this other time when Jesus was eating with his disciples. You'll remember this. And a woman came in, a woman of ill repute, fell at Jesus' feet and wept, wetting his feet with her tears and wiping his feet dry, cleaning his feet with her long hair. Let's look into the scene. Luke 7, verse 48. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? 
The answer to the question we see at the end of verse 49 cannot be simply a good man did it. No one sitting there was bold enough to answer the question out loud because the answer is obvious. Only God can forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. Because ultimately all sin is against God. Let's look at another thing that makes it impossible to answer the question of who is Jesus with he's a good man. Let's think about this. Think about this with me. On several occasions, Jesus openly claimed to be God. In that day and age, in that political climate, to claim to be God was asking to be put to death by stoning if you were in Jerusalem. It was a capital offense, in other words. In other words, you could be executed for that kind of speech because everyone considered that blasphemous. It's one of the main reasons the Jew, main reasons the Jewish leaders were out to stop Jesus at any cost. Now, don't get too excited here. Jump to chapter eight for just a minute. Some of you get that. Jesus is arguing again with the Jewish religious leaders. Imagine that. They were arguing that they were saved because they were legitimate heirs of Abraham in the Old Testament. That they didn't need a savior. That they really get angry with Jesus. And they begin to attack him personally and say, Are you greater than our father Abraham? Jesus says this in verse 58 of John 8. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They try to kill him right there and then, and he simply hides himself, walks right through them. Now, why are they so upset? Because they understand Jesus' claim. That he claimed to have existed in the beginning with God and before creation even existed, before Abraham was created. That meant that Jesus was claiming divinity to be pre-existent, to exist before existence. Or we could say he is claiming to have existed before anything was created. Therefore, Jesus is claiming to be God, isn't he? When I, when, I'm sorry, when Jesus claims himself to be, quote, I am, unquote, that name for God, which means I am who I am. I am pre-existent, outside of creation. It's no wonder these guys were trying to kill him. Now, let me give you one more. After Jesus' resurrection from the dead, he had appeared to the disciples and they believed, but Thomas, one of them, was not there. And when the other disciples told him about the resurrection and seeing Jesus physically there in the room with them, he wouldn't believe it. He says, unless I put my finger in the nail holes of his hands and put my fist into the side, in the hole in the side, he said he wouldn't believe. Do you remember that exchange? So when Jesus comes back again with Thomas there this time, What did Thomas actually do? Well, he didn't do what he said he would do. He fell down and he worshiped Jesus and said, My Lord 
my God. Now, what did Jesus do? He accepted that worship from Thomas. Now, that's significant because you'll remember in Acts 14, when all these people are trying to worship Paul and Barnabas, they tell them, stop, we're not God. But Jesus accepts the worship. So we see all these claims, right? What do we do with these claims? Now, are those claims of Jesus and the others evidence of Jesus being divine? No, they're not evidence. The claims could have been false, but here's what they do. We simply can't think of Jesus as simply a good man or a good teacher or a prophet. C.S. Lewis has this great thought on this. See if this makes sense to you. He says, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not let that open to us, let that open to us. He did not intend to. So if we have eliminated the possibility of Jesus simply being a good man or a great teacher of truth, what have we not eliminated, eliminated is the possibility that he's crazy. He could have suffered from schizophrenia. Let's just be honest. Jesus probably wasn't the first and certainly he wasn't the last person to think himself the Messiah. I mean, he could have honestly believed a delusion that he was the Messiah. We haven't ruled that out, that Jesus could have been even demon-possessed. Some will claim that later on in John 7. They'll say that about him. Or we could have, he could have suffered from megalomania, which is like schizophrenia. It means that he had delusions of grandeur about his life, a grandiosity. We're talking about guys like Napoleon, Mao. You know, I'm going to rule the world, right? But here's my thought. Here's my thought. When we consider the total picture of Jesus that we can actually read and consider his words, those don't even come to close to painting Jesus as some kind of power-hungry personality that wants to rule the world and accumulate wealth and power. I, I would say that you would have to be crazy yourself to, to read the Gospels, to hear Jesus' words about himself, seeing him healing people and come away with that picture of Jesus. On top of that, if you read the Gospels and see not only Jesus' words and see his actions described, but to see people's reaction to him, write this down. In the Gospels, people are either for Jesus or they are violently against him. There's really no in between. In the Gospels, people are either for Jesus or they're violently against him. What I mean is that it is not the way people necessarily react to a mentally ill person with irrational behavior. Most of the time, people ignore that kind of behavior or they 
take care of someone like that because they simply can't take care of themselves, right? Or if they are violent and trying to hurt people, we restrain them, we lock them up like a Charles Manson. What we don't do is kill people for being delusional. We just don't do that. But that is exactly what the men tried to do that did not want to follow Jesus. They want him dead. But there's another possibility. And that is Jesus could have been trying to deceive people. Like he was a liar. Like a con man. He wasn't crazy. He's just a con man. Hey, I mean, we see this all the time, don't we? We have a, this Greek word that we call that. It's called, pronounced politician. I'm sorry, that was just low-hanging fruit, wasn't it? It was low-hanging fruit. I'm so sorry on that. So, uh, too easy. But seriously, Jesus could have been like a corrupt politician just trying to get people to follow him to get what he wanted in the end. We see that all the time, don't we? So why can't we label Jesus with that label then? Because if Jesus is a liar, or if he is a con man... He's the best con man that ever was. Jesus claimed to be God. But remember that he didn't just make that claim in Greece or Rome or Egypt in an environment where there were multiple gods, hundreds of gods. He goes, I'm a God. Everybody goes, "Ah, get in line. There's tons of them. Those civilizations had literally hundreds and hundreds of gods that they worshiped. It wouldn't have been that big a deal. No, Jesus was right in the middle of the monotheistic capital center, Jerusalem, that the central claim is God is what? One. No other civilization at that time had a religion that believed there was only one God. That was the only civilization that had that. Every other society made fun of Jesus, Jews thinking that there was only one God. And sometimes there were even Jews were even persecuted for that. But the Jews didn't waver from their belief in one God and were fanatically in favor of that belief, even putting to death people that did not believe that. Here's my point. Jesus makes the claim to be God in that environment. The crazy thing is not just that he made the claim to be God, but check this out. But that Jewish people began to believe his claim. And it was people from across the spectrum. I mean, think about it. Young, old, ruling class, blue-collar worker. From all over the map, even priests, even Pharisees began to believe him. So I guess if Jesus is a con man, he's a really, really good con man. On the other hand, if he is a con man, we should consider him the worst con man the world has ever seen. I mean, if he's not God, he has to be the devil. Think about this with me. Jesus didn't just say, I am God. No, 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 no. He said, I am God, and I've come to save the people from their sin and death. And on top of that, he says, I am the actual means of salvation itself. That there is no other way to salvation. So if you don't want to die in your sin, you should trust me with your eternal soul. I mean, Jesus was very clearly 
that the problem we face as men and women born into a fallen world is that God is holy and because we are sinful that we are barred from God. We can't get to him because of our sin. Jesus taught that our sin is the chasm that lies between God and us. It's in an impenetrable barrier that keeps us from God. And on top of that, Jesus says that he had come to earth to save us because there was no other way that he had to offer himself as the holy and sinless sacrifice on behalf of man. That he would have to die and take the place of all those who would trust him as Savior and Lord. That right there is the good news I just shared with you. That, that's what the gospel literally means. Good news. Gospel. Good news. But listen, if Jesus were a liar, a deceiver, then that's not good news at all, is it? Because if Jesus simply lied and the gospel is not true, then we are of all people to be considered the most miserable. If that's the case, Jesus should be hated and should be considered a devil from hell himself. Because if it's not true, then millions of people have believed in vain. They were just gullible. They wasted their lives on a lie. But is Jesus a liar? Here's why I don't think so. Jesus described is described as humble, meek, lowly. We read in the Gospels that it was Jesus who took the role of an itinerant evangelist. He owned nothing but the clothes on his own back. He didn't even have a suitcase with a second pair of clothes. He spent his ministry helping poor people, the destitute, the sick, the lame, the blind, and the deaf. The prostitutes and the tax collectors, even raising the dead, he fed hungry people. He said, come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That description of Jesus doesn't fit that of a liar, does it? One more option I want to mention that many people are beginning to believe in our world that Jesus was none of these things. I've got an atheist friend that believes Jesus is simply a legend, a myth, that there was no real Jesus. He was just created out of people's minds. As I've shared the gospel with him, he simply says, no, I don't believe in Jesus as Savior because I don't think he ever existed. Now, here's, here's three big answers that I believe show this to be wrong. First, simply history. The vast majority of historians of this period and ever since uh, Jesus' time have agreed that Jesus was a real man who lived a literal life in Israel and was put to death at the hands of the Romans. That's not really up to serious debate. Historians would laugh at you if you, you said he was just a myth. I mean, you can simply say, well, I don't believe both current and ancient historians. You can say that. And I don't, know, I don't know what to tell you because the life of Jesus is one of the most documented events in ancient history and in all of history. So much so that even our calendar is based on the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, second thing, we have documented evidence and history of the disciples then, many of the, uh, and many others besides the disciples, going out from Jerusalem 
all over the world in the first years after Jesus' resurrection and then ascends back into heaven with the promise to return. The disciples go all over the world, don't they? They carried the gospel message with them at great personal cost, with many of them dying a martyr's death. They didn't have money or power to gain, and yet they went. People will choose to live and die for many things. But you know what they won't live and die for? A lie that they know that is a lie. They just won't. I mean, even if they considered Jesus just a myth, they wouldn't have given their lives for a myth. Third thing, I and countless others, I've experienced salvation. I have seen firsthand my life change and the lives of many others changed as they began to follow this man and his teaching. I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I don't even mean to say I'm a good man. I'm just forgiven. And because I've followed Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing I've done, I have seen spiritual fruit being produced in my life. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. That stuff has grown in me and I've seen it grow in many of you as we've walked along the discipleship pathway. So let me ask again, who is Jesus? Who is he? Listen, you can't even begin to mature in your faith or even start on that pathway until you answer that question. So I don't know how on earth you could say Jesus is just a myth a legend, there's just too much proof. So if Jesus is not a liar, if he's not a myth, if he's not a crazy man, to me that means there's only one possibility left. Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. He is God. And if that's the case, I don't understand how we shouldn't follow him. I mean, if, if he is who he claims to be, then that is the only way to life. So here's my question. Here's my question. Who is Jesus? Do you believe him to be the son of God? Come to save the lost. Here's why I'm being so direct. Here's why I'm being so direct. Most people try to escape the question. But that is what you must not do. You remember you moms when your kids were little and they're looking for something and it's sitting right there on the bed in front of them. You remember that? And they go, I can't see it. I can't see it. And have you ever been tempted to grab their little head and like aim it right at the thing? And then uh, I, I know that I have at least one time grabbed their little hand and put it on it. Right? That's why I'm being so direct. I'm trying to grab your little head and direct your little eyes. Most people want to escape this question, but that is what we must not do. Because I'm not, in not answering the question, you answer the question by default. Answer the question. Think through it. Be honest with yourself. Engage with the evidence. I'm not saying believe without evidence. I'm asking you to look on the evidence. Put your hands on it. Is Jesus who he claims to be? 
Is he God? If you want to know the answer, pray with me right now. Pray. Talk to God. Be honest about this. Pray. Pray, God, if you're there, I want you to know that I'm, I'm seeking the truth about Jesus. Talk to God and say this. I want to understand who Jesus is. I know that I can't be impartial about this because it's just so awesome of a question. And I'm so small. But God, I promise that if you show me that Jesus is, Jesus of Nazareth really is your son and our savior, I will believe him and obey him and follow him. If you pray this prayer, God will lead you into this truth. This is how I know that. Just stay in prayer. Just a few verses down in John seven seventeen, Jesus says that if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. That's what Jesus says. That's a powerful promise. You will know. However, here's something I want you to understand. Maybe I've convinced you today that Jesus' claims are true. In other words, you have believed with your mind that Jesus is the Son of God. But if you have not committed yourself to Him, and you have not come to know Him personally as Savior and Lord, if that's you, let me just say that that is an untenable position. You cannot stay there. Don't delay. Change teams. Convert. Believe. You must give a reply. The question of Jesus demands a response. There is a divine love that draws you to Jesus. Respond to that love. Say, Jesus, I've tried to save myself. To go on my way until now. I've tried to avoid you. But I was wrong. I won't avoid you anymore. I will follow you. I will turn my life over to your control. From now on, I accept your death on my behalf as payment for my sin. I promise to be your follower until you return, until you take me home in death. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for coming for me, to calling me to life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we're going to sing couple of songs we'll have a time of our giving but at the end of our gathering today there will be shepherding elders and their wives who would be honored to talk with you just tell them I prayed that prayer they would love to pray with you and tell you what your next steps are what you need to do to follow Jesus in this path if you just prayed that prayer let me just say You are a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ now. You've been redeemed. Your sins have been forgiven, washed away because of what Jesus has done. If you... Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bentry Church. To get connected at Bentry and for more information, please visit BentryChurch.com.